You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Gee, it's oh. not recording. That took me 30 minutes to figure out how to do. Oh Jesus. What record? No, no, not not to not to get Craig. No, sorry. Oh, not okay. to get not to get Craig. Um, I so I have this thing. I'll take a picture of it. All means. Um it's like this little box thingy. Um it's an electronic box with like 15 buttons on it that you can oh, you hook I'm it up. I'm really glad laptop. you're the technical guy. Yeah, and uh, you can um, program the buttons to be different things, and you can have different pages of buttons and whatnot. And uh, so I figure I want to figure out a way that like I could start Craig without actually having to like always type in Craig join and all this bullshit. Um, I thought I had a way, and then it like didn't work, so I found a different way, and this way works. So all I got to do is push one button and. It, it automatically types the stuff into Discord to make Craig join, and then Craig joins, and then I can push the button again, and it'll tell Craig to stop recording. It's a lot of buttons. That was a lot of buttons. A lot of buttons. Yeah. It's a lot of buttons. They had to actually make an XL version, too, which is double the size, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Sure. Double <laughs> Oh, double. Um, yes, oh, we have, man. It's a, we night have, of, uh, it's a night of baseball and hot peanuts. Oh, at least, they're, at least you're saying peanuts now. That's, that's good. Aren't I nice? <laughs> so aren't, nice. aren't I being a proper gentleman? Oh, oh, yes. From our, from our non-sponsor sponsor, Hampton Forms. <laughs> did, did Hampton Farms get tired of you talking about their hot nuts? I got a hat. Hey, hey, hey that's something. Got a hat. <laughs> Woo, I got a koozie. It's it's good that that the sports show is finally or the uh, yeah I guess the sports show too has uh, has finally brought us something. That's oh nice. that's what it is. It's actually a sponsor for the sports show. I'm just uh, throwing it over here too. Mm. Gotcha. <laughs> I can tell them we're going to be returning any day now. (laughs) I was like, you know, go ahead and get on now. You know, we don't have any high school football this fall, but, you know, any day now, we're going to restart. We're going to have the sports show up and running. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. Oh, my God. All right. Well, we don't have to take a break anymore for the Foreign Affair podcast because that never left even during COVID. Although COVID's still going on, but yeah, it's it's fine. Um, welcome everyone to the Foreign Affair podcast. I'm Edward Green, joined as always by Colin Crime, West Bradshaw. This is episode 
but uh, as would be kind of a theme, late goals in this weekend of Premier League magic. Um, as as Yannick Vestergaard would score in the 92nd minute for the Saints to rescue a point versus Chelsea uh, in a slight blow to what had been maybe a bit of a mini uh, boost to Chelsea uh, after after a pretty bad start. Um, Manchester United recovered from their 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 six one drubbing from Tottenham. Um, there uh, when they went four one over Newcastle. Um, Sheffield United and Fulham drew 1-1. Palace and Brighton also drew 1-1. Leicester loses to Aston Villa 1-0. Late goal there from Ross Barkley with an absolute wonder goal in that match in the 91st minute um, from way downtown, as we'd say in the NBA Jam game. Um, And and I'll tell you, Ross Barkley's starting to look like a very good pickup for Aston Villa. And then on Monday Night Football on NBC Sports, uh, West Brom Burnley drew nil-nil. Trust us, it happened. And uh, Wolves get past Leeds 1-0. Thought that might be a more uh, up-and-down, high-scoring affair with these two clubs, especially Leeds. Uh, but nope, just a 1-0 game. Raul Jimenez with the 70-minute winner there. Um, and then as we go backwards into maybe matches, we can talk a little bit more about um, Tottenham 3, West Ham 3. Somehow, um, the last 10 minutes and the first 15 minutes are pretty much all you need to watch from that match. Uh, Sun scoring in the first minute of play um, through what I imagine is the new creative midfielder, Harry Kane. Um, but Kane also added two of his own uh, in the eighth and 16th minute. Um, and it looked like pretty smooth sailing for Spurs all the way through. Um, and then West Ham got one back then in the 82nd minute, then in the 85th minute, Davinson Sanchez with one of his few errors on the day, gives up, gives up an own goal in the 85th. And then Manuel Lanzini from somewhat out of nowhere wins it, or sorry, doesn't win it, equalizes in the 94th and final minute. Um, Wes, obviously, you know, we keep talking about Tottenham and it's like, oh yeah, maybe they're finally back. And then something like this kind of happens, but I do think even at the times they've kind of quote unquote struggled this year, um, it, it still feels a little bit different from typical Tottenham. Um, there was a lot to like about this game. They did, they played very well for 80 minutes and then just, a, a, I wouldn't say a freak thing happened, but something that you don't expect to happen too often. Um, it it kind of comes in at the end there. Um, and I'll even say, the overall mood over at uh, the Spurs Reddit, um, quite okay with the match. Not not doom and gloom that you normally find from Spurs fans after something like this, um, but actually pretty hopeful. And it seems like they're they're starting to buy into that this club is is maybe starting to really turn a corner, even after what should be a very disappointing end result against West Ham. I'll tell you what, y'all are taking your uh, three-goal lead capitulation in the last 10 minutes a hell of a lot better than Liverpool fans did when we did it at the Crystal Palace. Yes. <laughs> of course, a little more at stake with that one, I do believe. Yeah, that was that was a little deeper in the season, a little closer title race, and a little different. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, it was, it was a really weird ending because Spurs, you know, they got off to such a hot start, and then it just seemed Fair. like, well, you know, we'll just – you know, we'll just cruise on to the end here. No big deal. 
And they basically did that. Hmm? And then all of a sudden, you know, the first goal and then the own goal. And then Lanzini with maybe the goal of the season. Yeah. I mean, that was a hell of a strike for Manuel from Lanzini. That was. Um, so, you know, can't take nothing away from that. Um, you know, take the positives from it, though. You know, Harry Kane playing his best impersonation of uh, Wayne Rooney before he before he got his hair back. Um, yeah. He's a pre-hair ball, ball Rooney. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he is kind of showing that more playmaking ability now where he's dropping a little deeper. And, I mean, when you've got somebody like Son, who is so damn yeah. good coming off the wing, um, mm-hmm. doing his thing, uh, then you've got um, – uh, Lucas, uh, Mora. God, Lucas Mora. I-, I wanted to say more, and then I was like, no, that's wrong. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, the return of Gareth Bale. Mm-hmm. Harry Kane's just shown so many more facets to his game than I think people give him credit for. I mean, he's still a one season wonder, but you know, of course, Stay. of course. Um, but for Spurs, it was just a really weird ending, and you know. Kind of like another draw we'll talk about in a few minutes, I'm sure. <laughs> You're just kind of sitting there like, you know, hopefully these two points don't come out to bite us at the end of the season and make all the difference in something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for, for Spurs, I mean, they played so well early. And I just – I do believe this Spurs team is showing that they're going to be a top four contender, which I didn't really think they would be this year. And and I think that it's it's kind of awkward when you look at it like the, their last two Premier League matches, a lot of good to take from each one, yet both ending in a draw. This one and then if we go back to before or sorry, before the international break, it was United. The one before that was uh the Newcastle draw, where they played really well when it got up one nil, played great defense the entire time, and then a freak penalty which really shouldn't have been a penalty uh, leads to the only goal for Newcastle very late in the game um, so yeah like you said that's that's now four points that Tottenham's gonna have to hope they don't need at the end of the season for something very important but I, I think this is one of those where you, you take the broader aspects um, and leave the result to the side like yes the result sucks but you take a lot of the positives that happened along the way. And I think there's a lot to like of this Spurs team. Uh, there does seem to be a little bit of that Spursiness to them, but I mean, mm-hmm. hey, the last time we called Spurs Spursy was, I believe, the year they finished second to Chelsea. So if that's the kind of year we're in for, I'll take Spursy. I will take Spursy. Um, that would be that would be pretty nice. Um, as you mentioned, we'll be getting to that other draw very shortly. But uh, mm-hmm. I do want to first go, uh, before we get to that match, uh, Man City won Arsenal nil. Raheem Sterling, the difference maker there, in the 23rd minute. Um, for as much credit as uh, as we've given Arsenal in their attacking options with Obama Yang and uh, Lacazette, um, and as much shtick as we've given Man City's defense, uh, neither one... Really played up to that form in this match. Um, and Arsenal's offense, Wes, is starting to look quite toothless overall. Uh, something that I'm sure they're they're looking for. And, and even I see people posting to 
to dare I say bring back Mesut Ozil for some creativity in the midfield. Um, and on the other side, hey, Man City showed they can actually win a game one nil. So that that's big for them. Big for them. Uh, absolutely. Um, it, it wasn't. Yeah, I think this is another match we thought we were gonna see goals. Mm-hmm. And we end up with a one nil, but yeah, I think what you've seen from Guardiola in the past is when he gets in big games like this, sometimes he will go a little more defensive. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Mikel Arteta is his disciple, and he did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, um, you know, it was. I think that's two good teams. I'm still. I'm a believer in Arsenal this year. And, I mean, we know okay. City or City. I'm, I'm a believer in the Arsenal. Um, and I think at the end of the day, I mean, it was a deserved result. City were definitely better on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you still saw a little something extra in Arsenal where they're, they're moving in the right direction. Okay. I don't really care for it, but they're moving in the right direction. Fair enough. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm... Trust me, it's not that Wes is becoming an Arsenal fan by any means. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just kind of seems like it's they're moving that way. And uh, for Arteta, this isn't a bad result. I mean, you weren't supposed no. to go in there and win, um, mm-hmm. but uh, not not bad for him. Not bad. Yeah, I uh, I, I think there is a little bit of a. Maybe a little bit of an issue. Still, still managed to get three shots on target, um, which you probably need more against City if you're going to beat them. Um, but otherwise, yeah, Ars- Arsenal's still very much a work in progress under Arteta as he looks to lead them forward. Um, final Premier League match we'll talk about. And uh, I-, I think the last time I was and, able and to... Real quick, before, before we hit this, I, just, uh, I need you to have a phrase um, mm-hmm. in the back of your mind. Okay. Just in case for this, um, the sun's getting real low. Okay. Sun's okay. getting real low. All right. You know, um, that's how the, Natasha would bring down the Hulk. So. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the last time I believe we referred to a Premier League match as a battle was Battle at the Bridge. Uh, as, since we've already mentioned Spurs in this podcast, was uh, when Tottenham <laughs> went to, to Stamford Bridge and was trying to catch Leicester City and make a, a Premier League run of it. Um, and after going up 2-0, uh, start, gave up two goals, and then started fighting the rest of the team, which, hey, you know, anytime you want to punch Cesc Fabregas, cool, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Um, but I, I don't think we've had a real battle since then. Uh, I feel like this was a battle. Uh, battle at Goodison doesn't have the same ring as Battle at the Bridge. Um, so we'll workshop that, but that's that's what the working title is for this one. Um, Everton 2, Liverpool 2, somehow. Um, Sadio Mane getting started off uh, as he just continues his red-hot form with a goal in the third minute of this one. Um, but it would be eight minutes later that the real killer moment would happen, I guess we'll call it. Uh, Virgil van Dijk getting into a going after a ball in the box and Jordan Pickford 
thinking he could also get there, maybe not doing the most graceful attempt at trying to clear his area, um, clatters into Van Dyke. Uh, Van Dyke goes down immediately, and it looks like he has um, had major, major leg problems. We will get to the the specifics of that later. But he has to leave and make way for Joe Gomez. Um, eight minutes later, Michael Keane uh, does get Everton level 1-1 off a set piece, started by James Rodriguez, who I mentioned Ross Barkley being a, a good signing so far to start the season for Villa. Ames Rodriguez starting to look like a pretty decent signing for Everton. Um, they went to the half one one. Mo Salah looked like he had won it for ever. Uh, sorry for Liverpool two one uh, in the seventy second minute, which is an absolutely great first touch goal. Um, Dominic Calvert Lewin continues his master class of form though in the eighty first minute, getting his goal to make it two two, and then. Richarlison gets a red card in the 90th minute. And you're thinking, okay, this is this is where Everton collapses again. Uh, just a terrible challenge on Thiago. Um, I do believe Thiago was able to stay in the match at that point, um, but was, was clattered into. Um, and then in stoppage time, Jordan Henderson looked like he had won it for Liverpool in the 92nd minute. But unfortunately... The goal, VAR rearing its head again, ruled offsides due to Sadio Mane being what I believe was arm, like arm, non, non-jerseyed non arm part offsides, I believe was the one. Um, and and thus the goal was ruled offsides and the match ended 2-2. Two, two. Um uh, we should know. Uh, Adrian also did have to make a save at the very end that could have given Everton an insane three-two win. Um, so the match ends two-two. The teams split the points. Everton remains top of the table, which is something I was definitely not expecting to say. You know, this this far into the season. Um, so Wes, I hear you making a lot of noises. I'm sure you have some very now. Now that we're I don't know hours ninety-six, one hundred twenty-eight, whatever hours away from the match, I'm sure you have some very well-reasoned thoughts about this match. Okay. All right, Wes, you can do it. You can do this. Fuck Everton, those sons of fucking bitches are giving me my dick. Ah, okay. son, 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 son. All right, good to go now. Good to go, here we go. Okay. Good okay. Go. Um... Yeah. How do we describe this game? Uh, Michael Oliver's supposed to be the best referee in England. Thought he was. If Michael Oliver's the best referee in England right now, England is even worse off than we thought they were. Um, (laughs) An absolute shambolic performance from the referee and from even more than the referee, the VAR. uh, The VAR, I believe his name was Cute. See, OOTV, yeah, yeah. you know where to send your hate mail to cute. Um, well, let's let's start with the uh, story that hasn't stopped. No. Uh, the challenge on Virgil van Dyke, where Jordan Pickford, if he was going for the ball, he fooled everybody else. Looked to me like he was going for Virgil Van Dyke, and he got a piece, and not only a piece, he got all of Virgil Van Dyke. Yeah, um, I I don't know. Like I've I've watched it a lot, 
part of me actually does think he's going for the ball. I just think he he does it in one of the worst ways I've ever seen in my life. Like it's it's a terrible challenge, and he did it horribly. I don't I don't know that he's actually going for Van Dyke there. But well, it's, let me, let me it doesn't it matter. It's a terrible challenge. I'm not saying that he was going for Van Dyke to try to tear his ACL. Oh, okay. But I think he was going to try to – he was going body to body with Van Dyke, and he knew it the whole way. Okay, that's um, And then being the Jordan Picker that he is, which is a clumsy <laughs> little oxen, uh, yes. he instead of just clattering into him, he demolishes Virgil Van Dyke's knee. And that's what I think. I don't think it's so much mal- uh, malice of forethought. Right, I, think right. he's just, I just think he's clumsy as fuck because he's, he he's a goofy he English just, dude. He just pitforded it. Yes, there you like, go. Shit. Um, <laughs> England's number one. Jesus Christ, don't get me started on that. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Okay, so he does it. We see it. All right, well, this is easy. He'll get a red card. He'll be gone. They'll be down to 10. Mm-hmm. And instead, oh, my God, the Rays are trying to blow this as hard as they can. Um, oh, instead of the right thing happening, they go to the VAR to review it. And after everything, no foul, no yellow card, no well-deserved red card. Nothing, because apparently VAR did not check for the actual challenge that went in. The only thing that they looked at was, well, Van Dyke was offside. I've heard different reports on that. I've heard, I've heard, so I remember, because I was also following Arlo White's tweets on this, and I Uh remember there was articles in The Athletic. Arlo mentioned he was told on broadcast that they did not check mm-hmm. uh, for if it was reckless endangerment mm-hmm. or a red card. They only checked offsides, uh, which if it's offsides, it nullifies the play outside right. for, as far as like a regular foul would be concerned. Which, by the way, offsides, he was offsides. Yes. I mean, I yes. no argument with that. Yeah, that's fine. It was tight, but it was correct. Right. Um, what, um, what I saw in the athletic, though, is there were reports from other places that said that they did check if it should have been a red card for whatever the proper term is. I'm using reckless endangerment. I don't know that that's the official terminology, but that's what we're going with here on the podcast because we're we're cool like that. Um, So I, I I still don't actually know myself what the official word is because people were even asking Arl about it on Twitter and he's like, I don't know. That's what we were told. We were told in game they didn't look for reckless endangerment. And then after the match, uh, PGOL, PGMOL, whatever the referee organization is, came out to the athletic and said, we checked for a red card. So I I don't know. I haven't seen it resolved mm-hmm. one way or another. What was it? So now I, I will add, I've added my sense. You may not take back over. So basically, if you don't check for the reckless play, you're basically saying that, well, you know what? If you're offside, you're free game. Punch somebody in the face. Who gives a shit? You can do whatever you want because we're not checking for it. Right. Um, 
just an absolute horrible, just a terror foul. I mean, we have seen leg breakers over the years. We have seen bad challenges, and I mean, that's right up there with them. We saw a second one in this match. Yeah, which, I mean, was an absolute ridiculous straight red and was given that, but was no worse than what Pickford did to Van Dyke. Yeah, true. I mean, was absolutely no worse than what Pickford did to Van Dyke. Um, and then not not even to get a yellow, not even to get a not even to get anything for it. Just absolutely boggles the mind. And then we're like, okay, well they'll fix this in the uh, they'll fix this in the retroactive. Well, no, now apparently they can't even check for it retroactively. Which I, I I don't understand the explanation as to why they can't check for it retroactively. Find something for you as you talk because I, I saw a brief mention of it, but uh, I will I'll let you keep talking and I'll see if I can find an official word for you. Oh, or, well, I, I can't remember where all my fault was going on that. It just no that so they're not that they, they didn't give a foul that no foul, no nothing, right. and they won't be yeah, retro. I, mean, I mean, nothing. And you know, well, all that happened to Liverpool was we just lost, you know, arguably the best defender in the world, our best player, our most important player, and he's out possibly through the Euros. And Jordan Pickford gets absolutely nothing done to him. Mm-hmm. Not even a warning. Just gets absolutely nothing done to him. So, eh, it's a freaking joke. Freaking joke. Um, so, real quick, I will say, I've pulled up a Talk Sport article here about it. Uh, under the FA's disciplinary rules, retrospective action can be taken if an incident was either not seen at the time Excuse me, or when it was reviewed by VAR. The VAR mm-hmm. official for Saturday Sturby, Mr. Cutie, advised referee Michael Oliver that Van Dyke had been offside. Van Dyke's apps, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I, so now I'm taking this to mean that they just didn't review it at all. And they're, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, exactly. And that's the thing. There's no transparency here. And it completely sounds like the referee association is just trying to cover for them not doing their job. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, as, as it comes out, you know, they're trying to talk circles around it and instead they're talking themselves deeper into the hole. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, match goes on, uh, Liverpool were the better team. Liverpool were the better team on the day. Um, Everton scored two really nice goals. That second goal, the second equalizer was, Fantastic. Uh, Trent got absolutely caught out on the right side, not for the first time this year. Um, uh, Digne put in a fantastic cross. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, as someone's called him, the Shaquille O'Neal of center forwards because he don't score for more than about five feet from the goal. <laughs> but by God, when that man gets his head on the ball, things happen. Dominic Calvert-Lewin has turned into a legit ball player for him. And um, it looked like it was going to be a draw on the way. Um, Adrian actually made a few nice saves to keep it 2-2. And, and then Rich Arlison uh, tries to take off Tiago Alcantara's leg. Uh, the best part about that to me was that Rich Arlison was on the ground crying, trying to yes. trying to get away from it. Rich Arlison's a little punk ass for that one. but uh, Yeah. Yeah, anyway, but, I mean, very, very much a red card, without a doubt a red card. Um, So they go down to 10 men, and then the second absolute travesty of VAR, because I 
still can't really find where Sadio Mane was offside. It's very close. I mean, are we so are we gonna say close. are we gonna say like his arm hair was offside or <laughs> you know? Oh god, the offside rule. This thing is just it's it's a damn it's a damn travesty at the end of the day. Yeah. There's got to be something to this onside rule. You know, where so. if a guy's if a guy's fucking second knuckle is offside in an offside position, where did that contribute to the goal? Right. I mean, that's my thing. Where did Sadio Mane's, the tip of his pinky finger being offside, where did that contribute to Liverpool scoring a goal? And you take what should have been a winner, you take that off the board. Um, Somewhat like like we said earlier with Spurs, if it comes to the end of the year, we lose this league by a point. (laughs) You know, you look back at that day in Goodison. Um, And I know it's, it's not as easy as just black and white of putting things like that, but just just very Still. difficult, very difficult to accept, especially after the way that day had gone for Liverpool, mm-hmm. where we already felt horribly aggrieved for earlier in the match, where they should have been down to 10 men within 10 minutes. Right. Uh, they should have had their starting goalkeeper go out, which may have helped them in the long run, but who knows? Um, <laughs> you know, so we were already pissed. And then to take it off when, you know, I mean, no side judge is throwing up a flag on that. Yeah. It is. It, once again, you know, just I still can't see where he was offside. Even when they're drawing it the way they want to draw it, I still can't see where he's offside. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, end of the day, it was, it was an exciting match to watch. It was a derby. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a derby. Uh, Everton still haven't beat Liverpool in ten years. Um, mm-hmm. You know that that run keeps going on and on. Um, in Everton's defense, you know, you or to to talk good about Everton, I'll do that real quick. Um, you can see the Carlo Ancelotti effect. Um. You know, last year when they got him, there was an immediate, oh, yes, yes, this is great. Well, then they didn't immediately hit the ground running and winning every match, and everybody's, oh, this is crap. Oh, Carlo can't make a difference. No, give Carlo Ancelotti a little bit of time. Carlo Ancelotti is, he's a top 10 manager in this world. Mm -hmm. And that's something Everton hasn't had since the 80s. When Everton was good, (laughs) last like really good. Um, Mm -hmm. And now I, I still don't think Everton have the squad to get into the top four by the end of the year, but mm-hmm. this Everton squad are absolutely a threat to, uh, to get the European competition um, with no European commitments. You know, they could, yeah. they could be possibly like say Leicester in 2016, Liverpool in 2014, where a team kind of hits a wave and that's all they have to worry about is the Premier League, where right. the rivals above them, God almighty, you look at just the schedule for the next three weeks, you know, that we started into this week. I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, those guys are playing twice a week for the next month. Um, mm-hmm. And we haven't even gotten to the Christmas 
Yeah, which is just typical British shit. So uh, <laughs> Everton, you know, if Everton can stay healthy, they're obviously going to be without Richarlison for a few matches now. Should be without mm-hmm. him for a few matches, but once again, that might improve them. Um, if they can stay healthy and keep, uh, keep a good run of form going, uh, Everton are going to be – I mean, A, they're going to be tough for those top six teams. They're going to be a very tough match for them. I mean, obviously, look, they've already taken points off Tottenham and Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, what what else could you ask for at this point? Um, other than getting a Derby win, Everton could not have asked for a better start to their season. Uh, Carlo is fantastico. Um, and Everton are looking good. I hate their guts. And they tried to ruin my life over the weekend. But Everton are good. Yeah, that is. Uh, I it's one of the one of my Premier League predictions. I feel a little bit better about when I drank the Kool Aid. Is you know maybe because I think I only put them like seventh or sixth. But I like I really I agree with you. I think they're gonna be right around there at the end of the season. And, and they if, look. And if one of those, if a couple of those big six teams find themselves struggling, um, I mean, let's say, you know, say United and Chelsea and Arsenal all find themselves struggling that four spots up for grabs. You know, once again, come April, you know, Everton could be sitting right there, maybe fifth place and nothing else to play for. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe make a push. Let's see. I don't think they're quite ready to make the push this year, but, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, crazier things have happened in this Premier League. So we'll uh, we'll see where that leads. Um, to take a quick look at the table after this past week's matches, Everton do still lead on 13 points. Aston Villa are at 12 points. They are a perfect 4-0 on the season. Match in they hand. Even have match in hand against Everton, absolutely. Uh, Liverpool currently sit in third with 10 points. Uh, Leicester, Arsenal, and Wolves all on nine. Tottenham and Chelsea round out the top eight with eight points at the bottom of your heart and notice in that top eight, I did not say Manchester city. I did not say Manchester United Uh, at the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone West Brom are just outside of it with two points, Burnley and Sheffield and Fulham all did manage to pick up their first points of the season. They are all currently sitting on one point after a draw, Um, but they still have a lot of work to do this season. Um, as we take a look at your list of fixtures coming up here on Friday, we get started this weekend. This could be a fun one all of a sudden. Aston Villa versus Leeds at 3 p.m. Um, keep saying this with Leeds. I expect every match there is to be like 4-3. Um, but, uh, but hey, maybe this time it will be that with with uh, Aston Villa. Both teams coming off 1-0 wins, though. Uh, or Sorry, Aston Villa 1-0 win, Leeds a 1-0 loss. Um, Saturday. 7.30, West Ham looks to continue their good fortune against Man City. 10 a.m., Fulham Palace. 12.30, United versus Chelsea. At 3 p.m., Liverpool versus Sheffield United. Um, maybe maybe we'll even see Alisson back for the Sheffield United? Possibly? I don't know if he's, if he's quite going to be ready this week. Okay. He's back um, in training, but I don't believe he's in full team training. Gotcha. Um, so we'll we'll see on at uh, 3 p.m. and then if not, then uh, maybe in the next Champions League match they play. Um, Sunday, October 25th, 10 a.m. Uh, Southampton versus Everton, and then at 12:30 Wolves versus Newcastle, and at 3:15 Arsenal versus Leicester. 
And then on Monday night football on NBC Sports, 1.30, it's Brighton versus West Brom. And at 4 p.m., it's Burnley versus Tottenham. Um, so Tottenham getting a reprieve from Sunday football due to their Europa League commitments, and they'll get to play on Monday. Um, so that's your Premier League talk for this week. As we move to the Champions League, uh, we'll go uh, somewhat quickly group by group. Um, some groups much more interesting than the others. Um, this was fairly interesting group to start with. Group A, uh, Red Bull Salzburg does get a 2-2 draw with Lokomotiv Moscow. But the bigger result in this one, um, in a matchup between the two group favorites, Bayern and Atletico, uh, <laughs> refereed by one Michael Oliver. No um, no drama here as far as as far as decision making goes. But Bayern Munich pounds Atletico 4-0. Bayern looking to defend their Champions League title from last season with a bang. Uh Kingsley Coleman with a brace. Uh also goals from Leon Goretzka as well as Quarantine Toliso. Um, Wes Baron making a statement on match day one and just coming out and taking it to Atletico. Man, uh, those, uh, those thoughts about Bayern maybe uh, being a little, a little yeah. vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think more than anything, really, this shows, you know, where is Atletico right now? Yeah, that's really disturbing. I mean, this is a team that for, like, you know, two years now, we've been, oh, man, you know, Atletico, oh, they're kicking it up, they're kicking it up. They've been very up and down in La Liga the last couple of seasons. and mm-hmm. ugh, Kind of embarrassing, of course. It's the same, but then, of course, it's the same team that goes to Anfield and wins a season ago, so. What can you say? You know, you never know with Atletico what you're going to get, which I don't think that really pleases Diego Simeone to never know what the hell you're going to get. But um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that can't make him very happy. But, you know, give it up to Bayern, man. Bayern just went out, laid down their marker. They said, hey, guess what? We're the champs, and we dare anybody to try to come take it from us. Yeah, and right now it, it it's hard to imagine someone from Group A doing just that. Uh, Atletico will look to rebound next week against Salzburg, while Bayern heads to Moscow. Uh, Group B, Ooh, speaking of interesting results, uh, Inter getting saved from Antonio Conte and finding, finding a quick cyanide pill uh, as Inter gets a 2-2 draw with Mönchengladbach. Lukaku with a brace there, including the goal in the 90th minute to secure a point. Uh, that was obviously a big result, and it could have been even worse if that goal hadn't gone through due to the other result in this group, which early on still, but does throw a little bit of chaos into it. Real Madrid 2, Shakhtar 3. Uh, and this it wasn't group, even that close. No, it really wasn't. Um, Shakhtar, literally, we say this a lot on this podcast, Shakhtar could have had five by halftime. This, this was not a good game for Real Madrid. Um, yes, they almost pulled it back with a late goal that was, uh, that was marked off by VAR correctly because, uh, Vinicius, uh, just literally stood in front of the goal ahead of every other player after the, the corner kick did not go to him. And stood right in front of the keeper, and guess what? You you can't do that. You just you Ooh. you kind of have to move, even if you don't 
affect the shot. You, you can't just stand in front of the keeper like that, especially when it's not even close to anybody else being around you to hide you. It's pretty, pretty obvious. Um, but Wes, you know, th- this is one where we're like, all right, maybe, you know, Inter can be the second. You don't know what you always get from Shakhtar and the Brazilians. Uh, Gladbach, the pot four team. But as you mentioned in our preview a few weeks ago, a dangerous pot four team. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for Inter, yes, Real Madrid falls, but now teams that you think you'd be competing with for points, Shakhtar is now on three. If you don't get a win against Real, that's how much farther you are behind of trying to get out of this group. Things got crazy with this, man. I mean, yep. just looking at it right now, you know, Shakhtar is one, Munchen Gladbach, um, they're actually in the second spot with Inter third, Madrid fourth. Who the hell would have thought we'd see that? After day one. Um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say not after day one. Yeah. Right, right. Um, just <clears throat> absolutely crazy. Uh, some numbers for Real Madrid. Uh, first time in their history that they've lost their opening Champions League match at home. Um, and also a number that cannot be good for them is that uh, no team has ever lost their opening match in the Champions League and gone on to win the tournament. Wow. So, uh, you know, that's kind of like the um, NFL starting 0-2 and never going to the playoffs. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't see where it'd be the end of the world, but just one of those things has never happened, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Real, but Real, you know, Real are in a shit bit of form right now coming out of the international break. A loss over the weekend in league play to Cadiz, mm, which damn. I'm not going to lie. That was the first time I'd ever heard of Cadiz. Yes. It's like, oh, okay, to beat Madrid. Um, you know, and, and looking at Cadiz, actually right now in La Liga, they're sitting in fifth place after six matches. <laughs> Well uh, then, three wins, a draw, and a loss, and uh, they're they're one point out of uh, the lead in um, in La Liga, which has kind of a very interesting table at the moment, to say the least. But uh, for Madrid, just it, it's been a terrible, terrible week. But luckily, they get a bounce back game this weekend. Oh wait, it's the Clasico. <laughs> yeah. So how bad? Is it going to get for Real Madrid? So, um, yeah. Uh, Inter, Jesus, this just seems to be what Conte does in the Champions League. <laughs> yep. Conte just screws with you. Um, you know, right now, if I said to throw my money down, I'd still put Madrid and Inter's going through. You know, but like you said, you know, right now, if Shakhtar, if Shakhtar can get another win and stay atop that group, they're really going to put some. Uh, they're really going to put some, some heat on those two teams because, like we said, Inter Madrid still have to play each other twice. Yeah. So I mean, obviously it can be done. I believe it will be done, but it could. Uh, it could be some puckered buttholes going in the last day of that. Uh, of that group. <laughs> well, uh, Inter and Real both hit the road uh, next week. Shock, uh, Inter heading to Shakhtar, Real heading to Germany. Um, group C, maybe a little more to form, um, at least for Man City after a very, very, very slow start. Uh, they do get the 3-1 win over Porto. Uh, Olympiacos do get a very, very, very late winner 
mm-hmm. against Marseille uh, through, uh, uh, I'm going to try this, uh, Ahmed Abdul Abdelmoniem. Yes. Or we can just call him Hassan. Uh, he, uh, 1-0 is the result there. Uh, I know a few people. I was left feeling a little bad. Uh, I know I know some people are a little high on some of the French teams, especially uh, after the write-up about Renier, um, I think yesterday in The Athletic. Uh, I mean, but unfortunately, yeah. uh, with the win there. Um, but Manchester City West, they, they do get their three points, uh, even if, again, they, they started very slowly in this match. Hmm. I did. Um, City just haven't really hit their stride yet at all this season. No. Obviously, we've talked about their league form. Has it been the greatest? Um, I believe you said they're in eighth right now in the Premier League? Uh, they're, they're not in the top eight. I think they're like 10th. Oh, okay, okay. And obviously still early there. Um, okay. But, you know, in the group stage, they're very good. Um, very winnable group. Yeah, and they go out and, like you said, slow start, but they come back and they get it back. And, you know, the bigger talking point at City this week almost has been the whole um, Kun Aguero with the official deal. Uh, But, you know, for City, I I think Pep doesn't have any problem right now, group stage, keeping low profile, stay under the radar, just get into that final 16 and go to work. Because yeah. I think that's got to be his goal. Just get to the final 16 and go to work. Yeah, and, and hope things are starting to write uh, in the, the spring and for the knockout stage. Mm-hmm. Um, group D. Uh, of course, talk- just, you know, one thing for City. City has such a big advantage in these Champions League matches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with COVID, because they're used to playing in half empty stadiums. Yeah, there it is. You're welcome. There it is. Um, as we make our way to Group D... Uh, the two teams maybe we thought after day one would be atop the group are atop the group. Uh, two different ways of getting there. One in a, in, in a little bit of butt squeak time, and uh, the other one just saying, nope, we, 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 you might be the worst team in the group, but we're going to treat you like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atalanta, 4-0 victory over Michelin. Um, just absolutely just destroying them. And uh, Atalanta looking like a team that, you know, is trying to build on their success in the Champions League from last season. Uh, Liverpool, on the other hand, uh, getting a 1-0 win over Ajax through an own goal from Nicolas Tagliafico. Um, unfortunate unfortunate times for the defender of Ajax. Um, but otherwise, um, Wes, hey, it's a road win in the Champions League for Liverpool in the group stage. That's something. Uh, but I don't think uh, from some of the comments, uh, Jurgen Klopp was too happy with the uh, the performance on the day. Well, for Liverpool, it was almost more of a job done kind of thing. Yes. yes. Um, I mean, if you look at it before the 60th minute, Jurgen Klopp had made four changes, including his entire front three. Mm-hmm. I mean, he subbed the entire front three, and that that was obviously that was planned um, because of the way the schedule falls. You know, Liverpool have, you know, they've got a important match for them this week in the 
uh, in the Premier League, they had a lead. Um, Klopp felt they could shut it down. They did shut it down. Uh, they come out with the 1-0 win. You know, right now, with everything that's been going on the last few weeks with Liverpool, as a fan, I don't give a shit how that looked today. <laughs> All I was worried about, getting the W's, boys. And they got a mm-hmm. W. They come out of uh, they come out of Amsterdam, which, <clears throat> for some reason, a lot of people are saying, well, that's probably the second toughest team in the group. I'm like, are y'all forgetting about Atalanta over here? Is it just me? Am I the only one who remembers how damn good they were last year? <laughs> <laughs> and how damn good they've been kicking off the season. I mean, that's a really good team. So, you know, let's let's not get that twisted. Um, but you know, they go, they get the win. Uh, next week, Liverpool uh, pull Beachland. Yes. Um, I'll almost be. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see how he turns out a team for that match. You know, do you? Potentially start Minamino and Diego Jota. Um, I mean, they both came in today, and especially Jota. I think. I mean, they look fine. It didn't, you know, it doesn't look like you're going to have a ton of drop off when those guys come in. Uh, with Michelin next week, that could be a chance for Klopp to be able to rotate that team a little bit and get them at least a semi break. Um, with this kind of gauntlet run going on that. Every, everybody's having to deal with in Europe, not just Liverpool, but, you know, if he can get a chance to give uh, Salah and Mane uh, a break, shit, go for it. Um, but, you know, they go, they get the win today. It wasn't pretty. Hell, man, end of the day, right now, the way the, way the last two matches ended for Liverpool, one nothing. Take that, W, boys. Absolutely. Um, and so, yes, Liverpool gets Michelin at Anfield. Uh, Atlanta gets Ajax at home. I mean, we we could be looking at Liverpool and Atlanta six points each as they head into the the mid part of the thing. And as usually happens in the the Champions League group stage, uh, your third and fourth matches are against the same opponent. So and uh, and for that third match, and that'll be the end sort of of this gauntlet run that uh, that <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Crucible, um, and this one, this one will be in Italy. The first matchup between these two teams will be in Italy. So interesting to see how uh, how both teams are heading into that match uh, on November third. Uh, um, just still... real quick to throw in there for Liverpool, um, you know, seeing trying to figure out what they're going to do with the absence of Virgil Van Dijk. Uh, today it was Gomez and uh, Fabinho. Uh, Fabinho, man of the match was absolutely outstanding at the back. Um, had a big goal line clearance to save a goal in that one. Um, so three points courtesy of Mr. Fabinho today at the back. Uh, Liverpool playing without Thiago after the uh, tackle from Richarlison. Um, also, Joel Matip did not play today. Um, always a niggling injury with Matip. And uh, I guess just... It's going to be interesting to see how Klopp pairs his defensive back line going forward, um, because I do think there's a chance you see a good bit of Fabinho, uh, especially if he continues to play the way he played today. And especially with, again, a, a tough run of matches coming up here in a compressed time space. 
Um, group E, everybody's on one point. Uh, Chelsea and Sevilla drew nil-nil. Renier and Krasnodar drew 1-1. Uh, goals in that match coming just three minutes apart right before the uh, the hour. Um, I guess can't can't be that bad for uh for for Chelsea uh to get the draw against Sevilla, one of their their chief rivals in this group. Um, but as it was kind of last year with Chelsea, this group is now wide open. Everybody's on one point. And with them heading to Russia next week with Krasnodar on the table, uh, they must win now three points, it seems, even early on, uh, to, to start getting some momentum in this group stage for Chelsea after not able to get uh, three points against Sevilla today, yesterday. Um, you know, really more the surprising result here was uh, Krasnodar holding Renier. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think we need anybody... Big time expecting Renier to come out of this group, but um, crowds in the door. Um, Renier with the the fabulous youngster Kamavinga, who's now the youngest ever scorer for the French national team, uh, 16 years old. He is absolutely a spectacular prospect. Um, all the big boys are lining up uh, for him in the future. So you know what? He's definitely one to watch in this group. Uh, but I think Renier had a chance to kind of lay down a marker and put themselves up front here. And it seems like they kind of missed that opportunity. As L'Equipe says after the match and then the next day's papers, uh, déjà compliqué, which uh, means already difficult in French. Uh, oh, so. it's something about mustard. <laughs> Dijon mustard. Dijon. Um, group F. <laughs> Um, this is the group where we push F to pay respects to Borussia Dortmund, potentially. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Club Bruges uh, with a 2-1 win over Zenit. Um, no one happier with the, the 93rd-minute goal from Charles Decatellere than one America's own Ethan Horvath, whose own goal gave Zenit a lifeline in the 74th minute. Um, but Club Bruges able to get a nice 2-1 win in Russia. Uh, and then meanwhile, in the other match, Lazio West coming out swinging 3-1 against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Ciro Immobile with the goal very early on. Um, and then right after Dortmund thought they were getting back to the match through um, their new Erling, uh, new wonder kid Erling Haaland, um, they were answered quickly by Jean Akpa Akpro, and he was a pro in this match for Lazio. Um, Wes, I know we, we, we like Dortmund. We like Dortmund to get through this group. Um, kind of kind of like Real and Inter in Group B. Uh, the group initially has made it a slightly more difficult. Um, obviously losing to potentially your main group rival. Not the biggest of deals, especially on the road. But still... Um, a little disheartening for Dortmund to come out of this, but a big boost for Lazio to get their early win. Well, when you look at Lazio, I think a lot of people kind of wrote them off because, I mean, they've been pretty abysmal in the Serie A this year, currently sitting in 15th place. You know, level on points with the likes of Cagliari, Spezia, and Fiorentina, and Genoa. Mm, salami. Uh, 
so lovely. Um, but, you know, sitting in 15th right now, and numbers aren't good. They've scored four. They've given up eight. I mean, so they've scored four goals over four matches in Serie A, and they come and drop three on Borussia Dortmund in the first one. Um, I think that just caught a lot of people off guard there. Uh, final, we had our 1-1 one, one in the World Series. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think that really caught a lot of people off guard. And of course, in the United States, especially when you've got Gio Reyna playing, uh, there is a lot of interest <clears throat> in Dortmund and what Dortmund does. Uh, and uh, I just think with all those young guns, with Erling Holland, as we said, Gio Reyna, James Sancho, uh, Jude Bellingham, who actually started this match. There are a lot of really, really, really high-end young players who a lot of people are interested in watching and keeping an eye on. So everybody seems to have an interest in Dortmund. And to see them lay an egg in the first match is like, man, what, what the hell did we just see? No one was expecting that. Yeah, this was a very awkward start to the group stage for Dortmund. Uh, you still expect them to potentially, you know, rebound and come through it. Um, their next match will be at home against Zenit, so a chance to get three points there as uh, Lazio heads to in Bruges. Um, Group G, fairly expected results here. Uh, Juventus through two goals from Alvaro Morata uh, get the win over Dynamo Kiev, and Barcelona um, never really in doubt. 5-1 over maybe the weakest team in the tournament, uh, Ferran Savarossi. Um, yeah, that's that's what we'll call them. Big, uh, big, uh, big game Chubbs Fatty there. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's right. I nicknamed him. He's Chubbs. So, so now that sets up. Uh, we're getting Classico this weekend, and then next weekend we're getting the Ronaldo-Messi Classico in Turin. Um but Wes, not much to say in this group, really. Barcelona and Juventus both job done and both look to be knockout favorites for this group. Uh, they do. Um, I don't believe Ronnie played in this match. Uh, Alvaro Morata actually scoring both goals, which, um, okay. See he's still alive. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, made the big move in the offseason. And, you know, if you think back to his original run with uh, Juventus, he was really good. Um, I think he just, I think he does get a lot of shit just because of that Chelsea stint that yeah. he had. Um, so, you know, uh, I mean, Marana's quality though. I mean, he, he's yeah, just, he's, he's good. Not, he's not the best player ever, but he's, he's quality. Yeah. Um, so, you know, good win for you, for Juve. They go on the road to Kiev. They get that victory. Uh, and like you said, it sets up, uh, I, I'm guessing Ronaldo is going to play, um, you know, with him, it's well, with him, it's the recovery from the COVID. Um, I'm guessing that's kind of what's kept him out at this point was the COVID. So, assuming we'll have a Ronaldo Messi matchup, uh, and really for the sport, shit, let's go do it, let it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, real quick before we move on, should be mentioned uh, Andrea Pirlo's first Champions League win as a manager. So, well done, Pirlo. He just looked magnificent on those sidelines. Oh, I watched a little bit of that match. He just looked 
like like there was ever a doubt that that would be the case. Of all the doubts we have, Madre Pirlo looking fabulous on the touchline is not one of them. Yeah. Um, who the and then one last maybe crazy group here. Um, two teams who definitely needed three points got three points, uh, and then one team did not. Uh, Leipzig with a nice little two nil win over Istanbul. Uh, Angelino with the two goals there in the first 20 minutes to give Leipzig a 2-0 win and maybe see if they can punch through and make it to the knockout stage again. Um, and it's it's getting a little more manageable, a little more manageable because one of the teams they're chasing has dropped now three points and it's maybe not the one you expected. Uh, PSG 1, Manchester United 2, where now... Wes, you and I both get our wish. United get a big win, not in the Premier League, and it keeps Solskjaer in the manager seat for at least another two months. Oh, he's back to being the best ever. <laughs> Tell him, Gary Neville. Oh, Carl Anka writing in The Athletic this week showing how brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Solskjaer was in his setup and to play Twan ZB. Oh, oh, master class. Mwah. Well, Chef's I think kiss. the master class is obviously always keeping Pogba on the side. <laughs> it's obviously your best move. Keep Pogba away from the team. Um, you know what, Ed? I am I am almost willing. I am willing mm-hmm. to trade out Manchester United keeping PSG out of the knockout stage of the Champions League to keep um to keep Solskjaer in a job. So he can go ahead and implode that group in the Premier League. I'm down for that. How everybody wins. Everybody wins. Unless you're a PSG or United fan. Everybody wins. Unless you're PSG and then you watch uh, Neymar and Mbappe leaving the offseason. <laughs> um, uh, PSG tried to come back into this game. Never really happened. Their only goal coming from Anthony Martial's own goal. Um, as I did mention, not, not without a, a small level of controversy, though. Um, Bruno Fernandez opening the scoring with the penalty in the 23rd minute on a retake after his first one was saved. By make sure you get those penalties. You, man, man I did. Got it. Nailed it first try. Um, Kaylor Navis thought he'd saved it, um, and he did. Um, but he was judged to be ever so slightly off his line, uh, in the kick, uh, from Fernandez. And as I texted you, after it happened, yeah. uh, I watched it like three or four times, and I'm just, I'm just thinking, if if attackers are going to be allowed to break their rhythm, and I feel like, and mm-hmm. I could be crazy because 2020 has made 2016 feel very long ago. I, I felt like at some point, and it was like maybe the 2016 World Cup or or Euros, whatever was that year, Euros, um, and maybe the 2018 World Cup. I thought the laws of the game said you basically had to just run up like there was no like trickery you could do it was just run up kick and be done and if not it was like an illegal kick or something am i crazy like did that used to be a rule man i can't keep up with all the damn rules your wife would come up with i just know if ronaldo wants to do it he can do it fair enough um but, so what I'll, what I'll say is uh, Fernandez uh, does a little and a lot of people do this i'm not picking on bruno fernandez but yeah i'm picking on bruno fernandez uh, a no. lot of people now like to do this little kind of skip, jump, hop, breaking of rhythm in their run-up to take a penalty. 
and, and I've just got to think so much. I feel like saving a penalty is based on just timing it and getting it down pat. If, if attackers are going to be allowed to to break their rhythm like that and not just have to do a straight run up, I feel like we're going to have to be more lenient on, on what we're allowing goalkeepers to do to come off their line. Because at a certain point, there's just way too much onus on the attacker and, and their ability to control everything. So that's that's my little mini rant. Um, maybe it would have made a difference in this game. Maybe it wouldn't. Uh, Marcus Rashford with, with the uh, eventual winner in the 87th minute. Um, kid's good. Kid's really good. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't think Wes, you know, Leipzig beating Istanbul 2-0. Sure. United going to PSG and winning 2-1. That that was a little more unexpected. Uh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, especially, it's not like United have been pulling up trees lately. Yes, a four-one win over Newcastle, but I mean, was that really United? Was that more just Steve Bruce just <laughs> taking a Steve Bruce all in his britches? Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, give United all the credit. They went up there. Rashford was really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, they fully deserve that victory. They went up there and they took it to PSG, who that's really the big question at this point is, you know, which PSG is going to show up? I think PSG still have a little hangover going from, um, I think they've still got a hangover going from that Champions League final. In less than two months. That happened about, what, three weeks ago at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Um, They just haven't really snapped out of that yet. I, I don't know if they've really gotten over it. <laughs> they weren't really given the time to get over it. Yeah. So it's like right back into the fire and they they did not they did not look good at all in this match. Very, very poor. They didn't start La Liga uh, not La Liga, uh Le Un very well either. So there, there could be a lot to that. Um, yeah, I mean, they're actually sitting second in Lyon, but all, already have a pair of losses to their name in mm-hmm. matches. So, um, yeah, right now, again, United and Leipzig both on three points, uh, and those two teams will meet at Old Trafford next week. And, I mean, if Leipzig can get a win there, oh, boy, because you, you got you to gotta figure PSG is going to win at Istanbul. You got to figure it. Um <laughs> This group can get really interesting very, very fast. Uh, so we'll see. That's your Champions League uh, week one wrap-up. Uh, week two will be next week, and then week three will be the week after that. Yay! Um, so, to news and notes. To news and notes. Um, there will be a cu- We'll do a couple quick stories here, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes. Um, Ozil has been axed from Arsenal's 25-man Premier League squad. He's not on their Europa League squad. Uh, Mesut Ozil is done at Arsenal. So long. Farewell. Auf Wiedersehen. Adieu. Um, not actually on a 25-man squad. Peter Cech for Chelsea, even though he retired last year. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. You know, you, you can really read into that how you want. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's any real chance of Peter Cech actually playing. Uh, <laughs> But he's he's there, I guess. You know, didn't want to take someone else who could have benefited from it, but whatever, not my issue. 
very very interesting very interesting and uh maybe as a lead in to our big story um but this just coming out today from the athletic uh manchester united debt soars by 133 percent to 474 million pounds um that is a lot due to uh COVID 19 um (laughs) so this is obviously very big um, this is from match day revenue, season ticket sales, and other setbacks. Um, they still have a six months extension of their Chevrolet for their kit sponsorship, um, but we'll see if they can uh, start to uh, to reclaim some of that money. And who knows if if they can't get out of it in the next couple of years? Does financial fair play start making a point? <laughs> Just kidding. FFP will never do anything. Oh, you kidder, you. I know. Um, so why 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 did I say this? That would be a segue into our meat and potatoes. Well, because Manchester United needs some money, and and what's the best way to guarantee a nice revenue stream? It's playing the biggest clubs in the world over and over and over and over again. That's that's as, and then I believe I believe we called last week on the podcast when. When we talked about Project Big Picture, and we talked about how it got smacked down by the rest of the Premier League uh, after Liverpool and United brought it brought it to the table, um, we talked about how that this probably just makes a European Super League that much closer uh, by not by not giving into the demands of the the Big Six and the Big Two, that that just makes them more likely. Well, now this week we get this. Uh, from Sky Sports, European Premier League, Liverpool and Manchester United in talks for FIFA-backed tournament. And that is crazy. Um, basically, what this sounds like is um, it's it's not so much currently a Premier League replacement as it would be a Champions League replacement for these teams. Um, it would see about 18 teams play like a group stage and then a tournament at the end to see who the winner is. Um, there are some crazy things. It's backed by a 4.6 billion euro financial package. Um, there could be as many as five Premier League clubs, which, since we know that there's a big six in the Premier League, makes it very interesting to see which five clubs those could potentially be. Um, there's also teams from France, Germany, Italy, and Spain looking to get into it. They're looking to start as early as 2022. And one of the most jaw-dropping things I read in this, and I believe I texted this part to you, mm-hmm. is that there would be there would be promotion and relegation into it, but uh, the uh, what's uh, fo- founding teams, founding clubs, however they're going to dis- decide who those are, founding clubs will not be able to be relegated for the first twenty. Years of the competition. Let me let me let me read that again. I'm gonna do that again in my up close to the microphone voice. Twenty fucking years. That is, I believe, two thirds, if my math is right, as long as the Premier League has been in existence. So think about that for ten seconds. Uh, yeah, do your math again because the Premier League started in like 1991. Oh God, that it, that was more than. Oh no. Yeah. Oh it's no. Like 30 years. No, wait. That's so. Yeah, two thirds. 
Yeah, you said. Oh, I'm, maybe I heard you say it wrong. I thought you said that it's been a, that the Premier League has been in existence for twenty years. No, no, no. What I meant is they 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 cannot be relegated for twenty years, gotcha. which is two thirds as long as the Premier League has existed. Gotcha, that's, gotcha. that's what we're doing. All right, we're all clear now. Um, Wes, and then as Arlo White put on on Twitter quite a few times, he put out polls, he put out comments, uh, which. W- made it seem like he he either is misinformed, which I don't think is the case, or he knows where this will end up, which is even if it's being a build as a Champions League replacement or a higher level Champions League, whatever it is, this will eventually be a Super League where the Premier League teams and other big clubs from Europe just break off, and this <laughs> is their actual league now. Um <sighs> I'm very worried that that is the direction it would eventually go. Uh, as I texted to you, one of my things that I, I can't imagine, or maybe they are considering it and they just don't give a damn, is you know when Liverpool plays the, those, what do we call them? Those European Knights at Anfield, and they get somebody like Bayern Munich or Barcelona to come there. Why is it special? Because you ne- there's no guarantee it happens. It might happen this year. It might not happen again for six, seven years. And and so you treat it with as this like big event. If it's just a guarantee year after year, how many years does it take for it to not be a, a novelty anymore? It's just, oh, all right, Barcelona's coming to town, I guess. Cool. Real Madrid's coming. Cool. Should be fun. That that'll be that'll be a good one to go to, I guess. Um and and I just got to think with as much as I read on social media and from broadcasters that I follow on Twitter and, and basically everyone involved, apparently, except the high officers at these clubs. I don't, I don't see anybody that's in favor of this. So unshockingly, and to a surprise of I'm sure nobody, what this comes down to is just it seems like a grab for more money, more guaranteed money. And that sucks. That really sucks. So that's that's the pieces I wanted to get off my chest about this story. Um, and so, Wes, I will let you now give your thoughts on it. So here's the thing. It does suck. <clears throat> and here's the thing that's coming from me, who is a fan of one of the clubs who is mm-hmm. apparently one of the high ones on this. Um, and it also double sucks because, of course, we're both fans of uh, John Henry and Big yeah. Sports Group or whatever they're about to be when they go public. I'm starting to think that Fen- uh, John Henry buying the buying Liverpool has been both like the best and worst thing to happen to that club ever. Yeah, I mean, financially, it's been fantastic. I mean, obviously, you know, you got Klopp, you got mm-hmm. Champions League, you got a Premier League. I mean, it's Sporting wise, it's been obviously fantastic. Oh yeah, but you know, soul wise, you know, Liverpool especially are such a club and a fan base that identify so much with the heritage and the the connection with the city and with the citizens. And you know, over the years, uh, FSG has. They've done some things where the fans have been really quick to be like, ho, 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 hold the hell up. No, no, this isn't how you're going to do this. You're going to fix this. 
And to their credit, FSG have been really good about listening to the fans and listening to their concerns. And, you know, the, the latest one kind of being the whole furloughing people and going yeah. on the government bailout thing. And they pulled back on that. This is not the Liverpool way. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is another example of, you know, this is not what this club believes in. This is not what the citizens of Liverpool believe in. So I'm I'm really torn because, you know, I, I obviously I want the best for Liverpool Football Club. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, that's my club. You know, that's my squad. That's my team. You know, hey, let's go out and, you know, continue to field one of arguably the best teams in the world. Let's go win trophies. Let's compete with the big boys. But the other part of me sitting here like, you know, please don't ruin the sport that I've fallen in love with in the last 20 years. And it would be even worse if it was my own club that kind of ruined the sport that I've fallen in love with for the last 20 years. Right. Um, And this just seems like another money grab from the top team. So this is like two and two weeks now from Liverpool. Yeah, and United. We, we should and United. United. Of course, United. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, this just, it kind of smacks in the face of everything that the club talks about that it believes in. Yeah. And what it seems like maybe 98% of the club believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I can't see Jurgen Klopp privately being like, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. You know, Jurgen Klopp is one of those – and I use Jurgen Klopp because he's the face of he's the face of our organization. He's the face yeah. of the club. He's the – you know, he's he's king. Mm-hmm. And I just can't see Jurgen Klopp being like, oh, yeah, let's, you know, fuck everybody else and let's just go play the big guys all the time. Jurgen Klopp, one reason that he is so beloved and universally accepted on Merseyside, on the red part of Merseyside at least, is because Jurgen Klopp understands the romance and he understands the the ethics and the history of the club and and the fan base and we identify with him so much because it feels like he has the same beliefs that the club has been built on for 50 60 years now. And you don't want to throw that away in the name of, oh, man, we can make some money. Oh, man, it's, it's a very difficult moment for Liverpool fans because, you know, we don't want to give PSG too much help. Now, don't get me wrong. They're definitely the, I want to give PSG all the help, people. <laughs> That's a well known. But, you know, for everything PSG has done for us and what they've given us, in the last decade, it's hard to go against them when it's not that they're making money hand over fist and not reinvesting it. They are reinvesting it. <laughs> you know, they're giving Klopp what he needs. They're giving us the new training facility. They're, they're giving us the infield expansion. But it's just, you know, where does it, where does it make it worth it to sell your soul? And I don't know. I'm. It's a I've very never, tough I've, question. I've never been to Liverpool. I've never mm-hmm. been to Anfield. I've never sat in the stands. I've never 
spoken with the people around there. You know, my closest connection to Anfield is going to the London Bridge. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's the closest connection I have. Now, it's, it's a bucket list. I, I want to go one day. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's one of those places I want to go. Um, so I, I don't really know. I'm torn because, of course, I'm an American sports fan. You know, I'm so... We're so disillusioned to billionaire owners wanting to make more money that we're just like, well, you know what? You know, hey, the Red Sox, you know, Mr. Henry, do what you do because you brought us four World Series. And that part of me as a Liverpool fan is, hey, Mr. Henry, do what you're going to do because you want us the Premier League and you want us Europe and you got us Jurgen Klopp. I don't know. I don't know where my morality on the whole issue stands. I I think it's, I think it's such a tough decision. And this is, I I think this is, this might come off incredibly condescending. And if it does, I'm sorry. I think people like you and me and most of the fans who are up in arms about this can't put ourselves in the position of John Henry. And, and that is, and that is not to pity pity them or 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 give them a pass for something like this but i think it is very hard for us to 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 have that mindset of of running a club like a business and wanting to make more money and as you said liverpool have been or sorry fsg have been reinvesting they're not just they're not stan cronky in this shit they're they're trying to do something good for this club um and and, and i think Another part of the problem is the the Premier League has been kind of on this, or English football, I should say, has been on this kind of collision course or something like this since the Premier League got founded. Mm-hmm. And, and and to an extent, at that point, I'm sorry to say, there's a lot of people who are like, well, game's gone. Game's gone. And I'm sorry, but for a lot of clubs, Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, Manchester City, to an extent, some of the clubs right below them with Leicester and Wolves. This is now a business. However you feel about your club and what connection you have to it, clubs in the Premier League, the clubs that want to push hard and succeed a lot are businesses. And I know that that sucks, but that's just how it is now. And... Mm -hmm. That's how it is for the Premier League. It's starting to be more how it is for the championship. And it's trickling down a little bit into League One, League Two. Once you hit like the National League and get outside the EFL, it's more about it's more club like on the club side of club versus business. But it, it is it it sucks, but these are businesses and they are going to do what they need to do to make money. It doesn't mean you have to take just take it. It doesn't mean you have to just sit there and like it. You don't. You can yell and scream and tell them this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. They're going to run it like a business. Hopefully they'll listen and they won't do something this stupid and this drastic because this could be, in my opinion, something that turns a lot of people off. It won't turn off everybody. And I think it would mostly turn off 
which is their core, they're English fans. Um, mm-hmm. I can imagine people, you know, Liverpool fans in India probably don't give as much of a shit about that. Liverpool fans in Africa probably don't give as much of a shit about that. Um, I would say Liverpool fans in America probably don't give as much of a shit, present company excluded. But I'm sure there's some Liverpool fans who are probably like, yeah, sure, let's. I, I don't really. You, like you, don't really get to go to Liverpool, don't have that strong connection to it. And are like, oh, yeah, I get to watch them play Messi twice twice a year, guaranteed. Cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, And so it seems like that's the dude. The grab for China, which is like the, the mythical dragon at the top of the mountain that everybody's trying to get a part of. And it it just sucks. It, because everybody who's very closely involved with this, outside of the owners, I think sees this as a very bad thing. And I don't think that's going to stop it. And that's that's what I think. When The, the last thing I, I keep coming back to is, every time I read an article about this, every time I see something like this, I just... I just see the inevitableness of something like this happening. And every time I'm just hoping that, you know, in a week's time, I'll read, I'll read an article and like, well, they are just, just like project uh, big picture last week. Well, they brought this to the table and 20 votes and not in favor of it. Right. You know, maybe something like this will happen with this proposed league. I don't know, but I just, I feel a strong sense of inevitability with this. And I think that's that's the worst part is that whatever happens, if it's not this one, if it's not this year, it's coming and the game will change because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, just as fans, I told you, I'm, I'm on about a 20 year journey now with the sport. I think yours is a little shorter than mine, but about eight or nine. Yeah. I mean, we've fallen like head over heels for it, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is my go-to sport now. <laughs> yeah. You know, this in college football season. You know, I mean, we turn on the baseball. We still watch our Red Sox or our Orioles or whatever mm-hmm. um, to an extent. But, you know, when Liverpool's on, it's it's must-view. I mean, I ran today. I was outside running during the Liverpool match today. And on my phone, I had my Peacock going. Or not, not Peacock, my CBS Sports app going. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, that's what I listened to while I ran three miles a day. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we fall in love with this sport, and now you think of people who've been, this is their whole life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's it's a little nerve-wracking to think about sometimes. It's just, it's nerve-wracking to think about. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because this it's starting to seem like every time one of these plans comes up, it's just a little more detailed than the last, and you're thinking they're just a little bit closer this time. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We will see. Um, to that effect, we'll now pimp the athletic. Um, I'll do mine first. Um, this is an article I, I I messaged Wes. I think it came out just after her podcast last week, so that that's usually how that works. Uh, but uh, this. Um, it leads us so nicely out of what we just talked about. Um, and it's very simply titled the big six. And um, as I mentioned to West, when I, when I brought this article to his attention, uh, 
I mean, he had already had it saved, but I just was like, wow. Um, it's it's a it's not a lot of new information. Like, there's some nice anecdotes that you may not have known. Um, the one about the Premier League, the big six Premier League heads during a full Premier League meeting, like breaking off and just talking amongst themselves and leaving the other 14 like to do whatever was really kind of eye-opening. But a lot of what is presented here is like already known or stuff you could have already intuited just from what you know about the people who run these clubs. But to see it laid out so plainly and in such depth is is just shocking. Um, how much power these six uh, clubs have and how much more power they want. So... If I haven't depressed you all enough out there yet, please go read The Big Six by Oliver Kay and Adam Crafton on The Athletic, which, again, as depressing as it is, just a great read. Uh, I, I told this to Wes. Um, all, almost, if not completely worth a, a subscription to The Athletic by itself. Just just great writing. So that's Isn't it great that's, that we say that like every week about The Athletic? That they put yes, every, every week. Every week I'm like, yeah, this is what this one is worth my subscription alone. And then yeah, it's amazing. Um, so uh new contributor to the football writing on the athletic, Alan Shearer. Uh yeah. Shearer, one of the one of the Premier League and England greats of his generation mm-hmm. and of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh he's done a little bit here and there. Well, now he's a regular contributor. And uh the first one that jumped out to me from him. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, we talked about Virgil van Dyke, how you come back yeah. from an ACL injury. Um, and Shearer had one himself during his career, I believe, when he was playing for Blackburn, uh, mm-hmm. suffered, a, um, suffered an ACL injury. So he goes into detail about his recovery and what Virgil van Dyke has to look forward to. Now, of course, times are different, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, different day and age, but still a very interesting read. And I'm really looking forward to more coming from Alan Shearer because he's he kind of, he tells things how it is and how he, mm-hmm. it. and it's kind of like, and you can kiss my ass, you know, if you just <laughs> about it, kiss my ass. I don't care. You can disagree with me. That's fine. But mm-hmm. you know, this is just how I see things. And I, pre- I appreciate that from Alan. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's my big story. Really. I mean, college football coverage is just nonstop. It's fantastic. It's the best. Um, uh, there, there was an article that came out in the last week, uh, once again, day after, about um, uh, Alan St. Maximin um, at Newcastle. Uh, he loves being the big fish in the small pond. So, uh, you know, he's, he's a player who's really fitting in very well at Newcastle as they keep things going. But, I mean, I mean what else is there to say about the athletic when every week is just like, I mean, it's great. Every week, week in, week out. It's fantastic. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Man, it's so good. So very good. Very, very well done. Um, well, that brings us now to the watch for uh, Wes. What you're watching in the week that was or the week that will be? I'll tell you the truth. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working my way through Letterkenny, which just, my God, it just gets better by the day. I'm um, getting more and more excited to start that. I haven't finished Community yet, but I, I like see it. I see Letterkenny every time because I've saved it in my yeah. Hulu feed. I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's that's coming up. Uh, so once you can figure out how they're what they're saying, and by the <laughs> way, don't be, don't be scared to go Google what they're saying. 
Sure. I actually, I have a, I have an open website on my phone that is um, like uh, Letterkenny uh, definitions for what they're nice. saying. Nice. Nice. Um, but yeah, that's fun. Uh, folks, it's, it's, it's October. I know we're more than halfway through October. We're hurtling toward November. Um, and hopefully hurting toward getting the hell out of 2020. So. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's scary movie month. And my recommendation for you, one I watched this past week, check out The Lost Boys, the classic 1987 uh, vampire thriller uh, starring a young Kiefer Sutherland, a young Jason Patrick. <laughs> and um, I mean, both the fucking Corys are in it, dude. Yeah. The heyday of the Corys. Check it out, Lost Boys. Just a just a good fun vampire movie. Wasn't there one of those '80s songs associated with that movie? Or am I crazy? Yes, was, but I can't remember what it was. Is, is it is it Never Gonna Dance Again? No, not that one. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't. Like uh, yeah. All right. Um, I'm trying to think what I because I feel like I watched something. And and I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, I'm trying to think what I did the last couple of days. Maybe maybe I don't really have that much for the watch for. I re- I really thought I did. Um, do I have, um, okay, yeah. I'll just I'll just do this because because uh, I I did watch him a little bit tonight. Uh, y'all go watch Captain Flowers on Twitch. His name is Captain Flowers twenty two. Um, he's a League of Legends caster, and he's just a good old boy from, uh, the cornfields of Ohio, um, who likes to drink whiskey and Modelo's, and I think it's called Truly. It's like White Claw, but better. Um, and he likes to, he likes to just yell and scream, and if you like to hear about the tales of Valhalla and heavy metal music, and and all that good shit. Uh, go go watch Captain Flowers twenty two on 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 Twitch. He um he's actually doing it right now. In fact, I think literally as we're doing this, I believe he's streaming um with one of his friends a new game that has just come out called Amnesia. Uh, I don't know if it's called the Dark Descent. Whatever the whatever the colon after it is, it's a new Amnesia game. So go check that. Wait, something. What the hell was that? I, I I feel like I just heard like a ringing noise, I'm, and I'm not doing a bit. I I really don't know what that was. That that actually kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, it was like a I don't know. Anyway, folks, go go check it out. It's Captain Flowers twenty two on Twitch and check out. Yeah, apparently. Oh, apparently. Holy shit, that was terrifying. Um, so yeah, go go check that out uh, when you get the chance. And hey, Twitch is free, so that's always a good thing. Um, so with that, I believe we are going to call it for this edition of the podcast, episode 337. Uh, I want to thank uh, NGSC Sports, as always, at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Uh, on, you can find them on Twitter. They post a lot of stuff every day. Um, you can mm-hmm. also find us on Twitter as a collective. We are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are I'm at West Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, the All New Sports Show. And you can email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Thanks to our podcast providers, including podbean.com, 
Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, so go check out all those amazing things. Um, but yeah, with that, we are we are done for this week. I'll be back next week. We'll have more Premier League to talk about. I'm sure some more crazy shit will happen. Uh, we'll have more Champions League to talk about. I'm sure more crazy shit will happen there as well. But as always, before we get out of here, Wes, anything else you want to add? Big Ten football's back this weekend. Hey. For what it's worth. Hey. For what it's worth, the Big Ten is back. Mm. Um, pretty good weekend in college football, I do believe. Okay. Check them out. It's going to be great. Uh, Bama thumped Georgia last week. Georgia was up at halftime and still ended up getting thumped by Bama. Roll Tide. Some uh, things never change. Yeah. Yeah. Some things don't change. Um, <laughs> so now Georgia's just waiting, waiting for the cocktail party, which we can't call it that no more. Not PC. <laughs> Not PC. But anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's the big college football story this week. The Big Ten is back this weekend. So um, basically, with that, I also want to say the Mountain West is back. I don't think the Pac-12 is back quite yet. Not yet, I don't think. But but with this, um, man, it's, it's going to kick a lot more games onto the TV. So college football coming back in shifts, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll... Take it. We'll take it, man. More more bet more football the better. So absolutely. Um, so go check that out. Uh watch it on CBS. That's something they actually will put on the networks. Boom! Gotcha, CBS. Um, so with that, uh for my calling crime was Bradshaw. <laughs> I'm Edward Green. Thanks so much for joining us here on this week's edition of the AFA podcast. Until next time, everyone, stay safe, wash your hands, and enjoy the football. And good night, Gay Perry. Just, mm. just, just, just keep your eyes closed and don't look, guys. Yeah, I'm very happy. <laughs> keep your eyes closed and don't look. Title of your sex tape. Boom. Time. It's time to fire Tommy Tuchel. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. As long as, as long as he doesn't need more surgery, that's the important thing. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.